Good morning, church. How are we? Good. Hey, what an awesome service it's been so far, hey? We had a baptism. How exciting was that? Heard about people meeting Jesus. The boss is back. So now you can flick all your emails through. It's all ready. He's all ready. His inbox, his inbox is empty. Uh, and he's ready to hear from you. No, uh, it is just such a special church that we are a part of, isn't it? Uh, and uh, if you haven't met me, my name is Adam, and uh, I'm the young adult pastor here. And I get the joy and the privilege to open up our scriptures this morning uh, and to share with you. And so I hope that it's helpful uh, and encouraging. At the moment, we're going through uh, First Peter, uh, where we're walking through uh, chapter by chapter uh, and asking what, what Peter has for us uh, as a church. Now, uh, why don't I ask you this question? I wonder if you've ever been in a different country. Or I wonder if you've ever been in a different culture. Uh, and because of that, maybe you stood out or you look different. Um, I was asking my um, wife uh, this question uh, this week, uh, Tegan, and uh, there's a picture on the screen. And she was sharing um, a time that she, she was on the far left there. Uh, she, was in, um, uh, she, she was on a mission trip in Africa with a couple of people as a bit of a team mission with her father. And, and, uh, and as she turned up there, it was quite a remote tribe. And uh, aren't those, these clothes beautiful, by the way? Like, isn't that an incredible culture? And uh, she was there, and as she, we, she turned up, uh, she just instantly felt like uh, she stuck out, like as just this Western white girl. And, uh, and, and before she knew it, uh, a, lot of the, a, heap, a, f- a bunch of these people started sort of coming up to her, and they started wiping and sort of like touching her face. Um, and, and the reason was that she has freckles. And they were like, are they drawn on? Do, do they peel off? Like, you know, what, what's going on? And seeing freckles, like freckles wasn't a thing. Uh, and then she smiled, and as she smiles, out comes train tracks. So she's, wear, so she's got braces. And they're like, what are these things? Like, what's going on in your mouth? Um, and she just shared with me how instantly she felt like she just stuck out. Uh, she just looked different, and because of that, she was just slightly treated differently, and, and they created a beautiful relationship and friendship there. But um, what, the reason I tell you that is we're going through First Peter, and, and what Peter tells us, he says that we are exiles, uh, that we are sojourners. In other words, that we are foreigners of this world. That more than that, that you and I, he says that we are citizens uh, of heaven, the Bible says, that this world is not our own. Uh, that we're just visitors, that we're just passing through, uh, soon to be with our Father in heaven. Um, But while we spend our time here, we're going to stick out. Uh, We're going to look differently. We're going to see the world differently, and because of that, we're going to be treated differently. And for the people uh, in, uh, it, that Peter writes this letter to, uh, they're, treating, they're being treated it's in such a poor manner, they're being persecuted. Uh, being persecuted uh, for living good lives. And for you and I, this is going to look a little bit different, but there is uh, suffering and persecution that you and I are both will walk in in this world as we seek to be obedient to the calling of God in our life. And so that's what we're going to unpack. We're going to unpack today uh, how Peter wants us to live as we walk through uh, this world together. And so why don't you join me as I pray together, as we pray together. Lord God, I just, I just, be, I just I stop now, Lord, and I just ask that you would be speaking to us this morning. I ask, Lord, that you would just use my words, um, my imperfect words for your glory. God, I just sense uh, that there are people in this room that either don't know your love um, or maybe have forgotten. 
And God, I just ask, Holy Spirit, may you just turn up in a personal and powerful way. May you remind us of your love and your grace this morning. Lord, outside of this message, and I ask God as we open the text now that it would just be clear to us and it would be helpful for us. And uh, God, we would just take on the, the calling that you've placed on our life to live in a world that is not our own. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up. Um, we're going to be looking at chapter 2, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, and we're going all the way to 25. There's going to be lots to say, but I promise you, you'll be at morning tea when you need to be. Um, or if not, it'll be okay. No, I'm joking. Um, and so let's, let's read together verse 11. I'm reading from the ESV. He says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles... Uh, this beautiful word, beloved, is Peter writing with his sense of love uh, uh, and friendship towards his, these people. He's concerned about them uh, as they're in this place of persecution and suffering. He says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So uh, firstly, to understand uh, where Peter wants to take us, and we're just going to spend a little bit of time in these two verses to set us up, um, we need to understand where we've just been. So Pastor Pip last week, uh, in the section just before, she spoke about uh, our identity in Christ. Uh, how Peter wanted to remind us of who we are and whose we are. Uh, and he said things like this, that we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, um, that we were, we were once not a people, but now we are a people. And then as we read this text, uh, Peter says, actually, you are sojourners or exiles or foreigners in this world. And so what Peter doesn't want us to, doesn't want us to do or to assume is, well, if we're a, a, a set-apart people, um, that we are now God's people, we're not of this earth, actually our home is in heaven, well, maybe what we should do is just insulate and, and um, hide from the world. Maybe what we should do is just, everyone, you just throw me, I'll put my bank accounts in the church news, you just put all your money in there, and uh, I'll buy a property in Tambourine, and uh, you and I can all spend our days just living out there until we're all in heaven. Who's in? That was a test. All of you passed. I think um, that would be all right for a few seconds, and then I think it would be pretty terrible. What do you reckon? No, he's saying, I, I want the opposite to that. He says, no. He goes, I want you to live in this world, um, and I want you to live right. But what we need to understand is what we're doing is we need to live out of the identity of who we are. We need to live out of this right identity as children of God in this world. And you see, what that means is that as children of God, as people that are followers of Jesus, that we, be, we see the world differently. That we begin to see things as God intended them to be. And so it means that we have different values. It means that we see uh, money differently, the way that we earn it and use it and give it away. It means that we see our sexuality different to the world. It means that we see uh, singleness or, or dating or, or marriage, the way that we treat one another in marriage, differently to the world. It means that we see politics different. It means that we, we see um, 
All these different things different to how the world sees them. Family, friendships, and, and what Peter's going to say, he's going to say it means that we see uh, authority different in regards to government structures, uh, as well as the workplace and the way that we treat people and love people. Everything changes. And there's this clash that happens as followers of Jesus because we follow the values of the kingdom of God, but the values of the kingdom of this, this world are still at play. And so what happens is we clash. And what he says is this clash is not just this values of being from different places. It's also because there's a spiritual battle going on. He says this. He says, there is a war that wages against your soul. That there is a spiritual battle going on with our flesh, in the world, and with the devil that wants to compromise these things in the world. That wants to compromise and take away God's good and perfect will for how they should be and corrupt them. And what he also says is not just that, but he wants, this is to corrupt your soul. That, that the spiritual warfare is coming after you to corrupt us, to condemn us to enslave our soul and to lead us away. And what Peter says, he says, as you live in this world, be careful. Be aware, because this is not our home. And he finishes this, this in verse 12, he says, he doesn't finish there. That would be quick. He says, keep, I want you to live right. This is what he says. I want you to live right in a place where you're going to look different and be treated different. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitations. What he's saying is the way that you and I live, the, way, the values that we carry, the way that we see the world, it's actually going to be considered as evil to people that don't understand. This was true to the early church that was reading this. Um, they were hated. And in parts of our world, uh, as we hold on to the values of the kingdom, we will also be hated. Because people will not understand our convictions. They won't understand our way of life. And they'll see our way of life as limiting theirs and what they want to do. And so what does he say? He says something powerful. And you've got to catch this. He says that uh, by, by the way that you and I live, we will silence people. So we will, we will take people that call us evil or wrong or, or, or bigots or whatever the name that people have for us as they marginalize and mistreat us, and actually we will help draw them in to the kingdom of God. Isn't that amazing? But by the way you and I are going to live in this world, we're going to help draw people into the kingdom of God. That when God visits, by the way that you and I have lived and show the world the beauty of Christ and the beauty of the gospel for the way we live, we're going to help draw them in. And the very people that said, I persecuted the Christian, is going to be the very people that actually come and become um, children of God. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so Peter's saying, this is important, that the way that you live in a place where you're going to, be, you're going to suffer and be mistreated and still do good, you are going to draw people around you into a loving relationship with Jesus. And so he says, here's what, how I want you to live. And he's going to, we're going to, he's going to tackle two things that, that fit under the, the one banner. And it's going to be on the screen here. Verse 13 to 17, he says, um, he's going to talk about living in submission to authority. Verse 18 to 20, living in submission to the workplace. And verse 21 to 25, 
learning from the life of Jesus. And my question over this whole message for you guys today is, what kingdom are we reflecting with our lives? Are we reflecting the kingdom of God or the kingdom of this world? So let's read together. Number one, living in submission to authority. Verse 13, let's read together. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. Hurrah? Don't you feel like saying hurrah after that? I do. Verse 13 says this, says, Subject yourself to every human institution. So in order for us to live right, Peter is addressing this picture of submission. The word submission can make us feel uncomfortable. Uh, And and Pastor uh, Zane actually is going to be really digging deep uh, next week on this as he talks about submission in marriage. So pray for him um, and uh, be ready for a great message. He's going to do a good job. Um, But submission, really quickly, let me just say this. Submission is not because we are less than. Submission is not because we leave our brain at the door. Uh, Submission is not living in fear, or it's not even weakness. But biblical submission is a beautiful thing. And we actually see this because Christ submitted under the Father as He came into this world. And He died for our ultimate good. Simply um, submission is this, to act in obedience to a particular authority. Or Let me give you a different definition. Submission is the right response of people to the commands of God. It is, the wi- it is willingly setting aside your desires or needs to honor the desires or needs of another. It's a, it's a choice to be led, church. And the different areas that uh, Peter addresses in his letter are up on the screen. I won't speak a lot uh, into those things. But uh, as he goes through his letter, he talks about here about government. And then we talk about the work environment, which we're going to cover. And then next week, we're going to see about what it means to submit with wives to husbands and husbands to wives. And then what it looks like for all of us to have this submission and service to one another. We see this with the parent and, church rela- uh, parent and child relationship. We even see this with the elders that we've appointed in this church. And as church members, the way that we submit under that authority and the way that we are being led by our pastors and elders. God has established such patterns of authority for orderly functioning of human life. And it both pleases and honors Him when we subject ourselves to them. So what Peter's saying, he's saying, hey, you and I should be the best citizens ever, right? You and I should be the most law-abiding citizens uh, that have ever walked this earth. Why? Because we're children of God. Now, let me ask you this. Um, I reckon in all of us, and I don't just reckon, I think the Bible tells us, that there is a tendency for us to be a little bit of a rebel. What do you reckon? I look at you and I can see it. And, and, if you don't, and, and Paul talks about this as you know, being our flesh and, and having this bent away from God and away from authority uh, to be a little bit of a rebel. Um, but I also know it because I have a child. Uh, here's a picture of her on the screen. This is yesterday, um, uh, bundle of joy. This is uh, Grace. She's got her 
baby Chino there, um, which, you know, two minutes later, she just grabs and just starts pouring out. Um, uh, also, on a side note, I have, we hadn't announced this publicly uh, in regards to church-wise, but Tegan is pregnant, which is very exciting. Um, and so she is 18, 18 weeks. Um, so if you see her, uh, just, uh, you know, congratulate her. She's been feeling really sick, um, uh, but we're very excited. November, we're expecting uh, another one come into the world. Um, but a defiance is seen so clearly in, in the lives of children, right? And if you've seen children, or even if you just know yourself, uh, the inner child, you know that we can do the wrong thing. And, and uh, Grace is about one years old, and I was, uh, I was asking her to say please and thank you and different things. And, and what she would do then is she looked me directly in the eyes. She'd put her, see her hand come up like this and say, Gracie, say please. And she'd say, nope. And then she would turn around and just walk away like it was nothing, nothing, like nothing was wrong, right? Uh, we finally, now we got please. It says, please, like it's a really long one, um, but we've got past that. But there is just this natural tendency in us to do the wrong thing. And the same thing can come to the law of the land that we live in. Um, I wonder how you guys go with driving. Hey, it's pretty tempting to go a few k's over, isn't it? And if you're saying you've got it, you know, you've got it all worked out. I've seen some of you leave the church car park, and uh, it's you're in a bit of a rush. So I'm watching you. But all of us have this tendency to, to do the wrong thing. It's a part of who we are. And, and Peter's like, hey, I want you to obey the laws of this land. Now, to the culture he's talking to, uh, they're under immense persecution. They're suffering for their faith. They're dying for their faith. Um, uh, they're being fed to animals. They're being light on fire. It's, it's lit on fire. It is un- unimaginable, right, for our Western world. And, and in that culture, Peter is saying, Submit to the governing authorities that are around you. Isn't that wild, right? And so how much more if Peter's telling a church then, how much more in the culture that we live in should we be uh, submitting to the laws of this land around us? See, it's not a matter of if we like the law uh, or if we agree with the law uh, or if we've done our mass and the fine isn't too big, so I'll just do it anyway. No, he tells us how, why we're going to do this. He says this, it says, for the Lord's sake. And then in verse 16 says, um, the authority who is sent by him. This implies that submission and obedience serves God's purpose. Because behind every earthly king is a heavenly king. The king of kings that appointed that leader. Romans 13 says this, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. The government authorities are placed there because God has put them there. And the submission is not just to institution, but it's to people that are made in the image of God. And we are to, amongst even oppression, uh, to, to serve and honor and love those people in leadership. Now, you might be asking, hey, but Adam, what about when people are wielding their power wrongly? What happens when that, that leadership is corrupt and they're asking us to do the wrong thing. And this is what I would say. We obey except when commanded to sin. We obey except when commanded to sin. Let's have a look here. Here's a few different examples all throughout the Old Testament where people of God have been asked to submit to an authority that is against the will of God. And we see this with uh, the women uh, in Exodus. Uh, The midwives were asked to kill every male baby and they choose to disobey that command to keep them alive. 
We see that in Daniel where some young adult men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are, are, are told, hey, bow down and, and worship this other God. And they say no. Daniel 6, he's told not to pray and he continues to pray. Acts 5, uh, they're in trouble for preaching the gospel. It says, we must obey God rather than human beings. We obey except when commanded to sin. This is the Christian's responsibility towards all forms of rightful human authority. Whether the Christian agrees with the poles of that authority or not. And understand though, all of these examples of doing this too led to suffering. Like they're, they're, they're pushing against uh, the cultural norm, the cultural values, the authority that was asked them to do, meant that they were persecuted, marginalized, um, uh, and even, uh, you know, end up, you know, dying for their faith. Verse 15 says this, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. And so what is he saying here? He's saying, in verse 12, he said, by your actions, by the way that you live, uh, you are going to help save people. You're going to help bring them into the kingdom. And he says, what you're also going to do, the same people that are going to be persecuting you, uh, the same people that are going to um, marginalize you uh, and, and condemn you, you're going to actually silence those people by your good life. Let me share a, a, a historical report of of what the early church was like in this time. It says, They exist in the flesh, but they are not live by the flesh. This is the early church. They pass their days on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They obey the prescribed laws, all the while surpassing the laws by their lives. They love all men and are persecuted by all. They are unknown and condemned. They are poor, yet make many rich. They lack everything, yet they overflow in everything. They are dishonored, yet in their very dishonor they are glorified. They are spoken ill of, yet are justified. They are reviled, but they bless. They are insulted and repay the insult with honor. They do good, yet are punished as evildoers. When punished, they rejoice as if raised from the dead. They are assailed by the Jews as barbarians. They are persecuted by the Greeks. Yet those who hate them are unable to give any reason for their hatred. Isn't that crazy? Those that hate them have no reason to give for their hatred. That as we are persecuted, as we are marginalized, as we suffer, and, and obviously we're not dying for our faith. Uh, we're not going to work or going out and, and, and dying for our faith. But as persecution comes, and it will grow, by the way that you and I live good lives amongst suffering, we're telling a story of the beauty of, gospel, that, the beauty of the gospel that is silencing the critics and, and drawing those people in to the kingdom. And, and uh, I guess a, a, a thing that always comes to my mind is that uh, when I think about what it means to walk through oppression and suffering and, and thrive in good works, is it's this picture of when I squeeze a lemon, what do I get? Yes, and I'm so glad you're still with me. And the question is, when I squeeze a Christian, what should I get? Not lemon juice. Christ, right? When I squeeze a lemon, I should get lemon juice. But when I squeeze a Christian, we should see Christ come out. You see, that very much who we are comes out when we are most mistreated. And as we are pressed by the world and the world is watching on, they're watching to see if our words and our behavior match to see if this, what we believe in is genuinely true. And as we do that, we will draw people in. 
Next, verse 18 to 20, it says this, submission, uh, living in submission in our workplace. What does it mean for us to live and work well? Verse 18, servants be subject to the masters with all respect. Um, very quickly, in some of your Bibles, it might write slaves. Um, the ESV says servants. This is probably a better rendered uh, word for this. Um, and so what, what this meant is we had slaves in this time, we had servants, and then we had uh, like masters or the wealthy. Um, servants were not slaves, but uh, they were people that either couldn't make it um, or they uh, needed someone's protection to carry them or to provide for them, to feed them. Uh, and so servants in this time were like uh, workers, tradies, doctors, musicians, secretaries, uh, all these pl- things, but they weren't slaves. And so Uh, A better rendered version for us is this employer-employee relationship. And what he says is this, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. And so what what type of employees are we to uh, submit to? Well, the good. So the good bosses, the ones that we love. Um, I love Steve. He's a great boss. Um, But also to the ones that we don't love. Who's had a boss that we don't love? Maybe, maybe a few of us, to the ones that are unjust, to the ones that um, are unreasonable, they're hard to deal with. He's saying we are to submit to both of these uh, authorities that we are put in. And it's a profound thing where, um, when we respond in a godly way to ungodly treatment. And verse, verse 20 says, For what credit is it when you sin and are beaten for it and you endure? endure? And so what he's saying is sometimes we suffer because it's our own fault and sometimes we suffer because uh, uh, it is unjust, right? So sometimes we suffer because, I don't know, maybe we're lazy or we don't do the job right or maybe we're dishonest um, or maybe we don't turn up, maybe we're sitting on our phones, um, maybe we're doing a number of things. Um, And he says, what credit is that if you're to suffer in your workplace but it's just because you are not doing the right thing? Who knows that like we're to be awesome citizens, that you and I should be the best workers, that as followers of Jesus in our workplace, that you and I uh, should be the most loyal, the most kind, the most trustworthy out of any other employees in the world. Why is that? Because we don't work for the man, we work for the King of Kings, right? Colossians says this, says, whatever you do, work, um, work heartily as for the Lord and not for man. Knowing that from the, Lord, from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are the serving the Lord Christ. You see, we don't serve just man, but we serve the King of Kings. And as we do that, we should be the best workers there are. I was talking to my father-in-law uh, uh, this week, and uh, I just remembered a story he told me. Um, he is a groundskeeper at a local school. And uh, I remember talking to him, and I, I said to him, Hey, are you enjoying the work? And he says, Yeah, the work's great. Um, but he goes, more than the work, I'm called to love the people. And I said, oh, that's incredible. Uh, and he was handing in his resignation, and he was standing before the CEO. And as he began to tell the CEO that he was leaving to this uh, workplace, the CEO just began to cry. He's like, oh. He's like, and the reason the CEO, and the CEO is, how can I keep you? How do I keep you here? And the reason was that more than just doing great at his trade, that this guy's very presence transformed the work environment. 
It transformed the people that he interacted with as he showed them the beauty of the gospel by the way that he treated and did good works. But then there's a a way that we can work that uh, is is in a place that is unjust, right? And, And this is what Peter says. He says, But if when you do good and suffer for it and you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. You see, Peter's overarching message for us is this. If we're going to suffer, let it be because we're doing good. If you're going to suffer, let it be because we're living out as obedient Christ, the obedient Christian life. If we're going to suffer, let it be because we are living the commands of God, we're proclaiming the message of Jesus, and that we are representing Christ. May that be the reason that you and I suffer in this world, and may we stand underneath under it and continue to do that, even as the oppression and the marginalization happens in our society. Now, I don't know what it looks like for you guys to be persecuted in your workplace. I'm pretty safe in mine, I think. Um, at church here, it's pretty good. Uh, Steve's looking at me a little bit there. Um, uh, but for you, it may be different. Um, maybe for you, obviously, we're not dying for our, our faith, but maybe it's you are marginalized. Maybe it is that there is a scandal or there is gossip or you are treated differently. Um, Maybe it is your reputation on the line. Maybe you aren't given a promotion that you deserve. Um, I was even talking to a young adult. uh, I was like, how does this work for you? And they said, honestly, the biggest thing is this peer pressure to conform to the world that my workplace um, places on me. But Peter says, amongst this uh, oppression, as we do good, it is gracious in the sight of God. As God sees us struggling in our workplaces for being Christians, He is just so proud of us. He is just so proud, and it brings Him so much gratefulness to see us living out the commands of God. And so how do we do this? How do we not retaliate? How do we not punch someone in the face? How do we not gossip? How do we not get revenge? How do we not hate someone? How do we respond like that early church? And as they were reviled, they loved. Like As they were pushed away, are they honored? Jesus tells us by his example. This is where we're going to finish. Verse 21 to 25. Christ shows us his submission. First to his Father and then um, for our good. It says this, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might live, um, die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Verse 21, for this is you have been called. So chapter 1 says you've been called to be holy. Chapter 2 uh, says you've been called out of darkness uh, into his wonderful light. Chapter three, chapter 2, at the end of chapter 2, sorry, now we see that you have called. And what is this? We've been called to suffer in the same way that Christ suffered. And it says that he gives us an example to follow. And a good way to understand this example is like, I don't know if you remember uh, as a kid or you've had kids and you've seen them just like tracing letters. Uh, and you'll see an example on the screen here, where that you, you're looking so closely to follow the line. 
to follow the example that was set before you. And this is the example that we have, that we are to, to sit so closely to Christ that we are to do our best to follow his example. Even though sometimes we might go way out of the line, um, we are to come back in. Uh, this, this particular text also was common for this era. I don't know if this was your era. What would Jesus do? Who, who was, is this the 90s thing? I was two. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, I was talking to Bryce this week, and he was telling me how he was working at the Word Bookshop. And he said, this was the number one thing stolen. Um, what would Jesus do? Isn't that hilarious? I think that's so funny. Um, but, but here's the reality is, let's have a look at what, what Jesus didn't do, right? He didn't do this. First, he committed no sin. He did nothing wrong. He didn't scoop to the, the level of those around him. Neither was de- deceit found in his mouth. He didn't gossip. He didn't slander people. Verse 23, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. Another version says, they called him every name in the book, and he said nothing back. He didn't get online and publicly shame people or have a rant. What did he do? Sorry, when he suffered, he did not threaten. He didn't take up arms. He didn't get violent, but he resisted peacefully. He didn't try and harm them. And then what did he do? It says this. I love this. We're going to finish off this. Band, you want to come on up? Or Lexine? But he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Isn't that awesome? Entrusting himself to God meant he trusted the one who saw the whole picture. Entrusting himself to God meant he surrendered the outcome, even though he was brutally treated. He let God the Father be the judge, right? Do you know who's not a good judge? Us. Me, terrible judge. Do you know who's a good judge and a judge that we can trust? God. And so we must entrust our lives to God. And I love what Becca said uh, in her testimony. Sometimes life is hard, but it's so much better with Jesus. Isn't that simple? I think that just sums up the whole thing. Um, We have this beautiful picture of Jesus now. He submits to the Father, but he submits for the sake of us. It says this, For he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Uh, This comes from Isaiah 53, and it's just this beautiful account of what Jesus did on the cross for you and I. Um, And and this this phrase that by his wounds you have been healed, that has been interpreted uh, and explained as as this healing promise that no matter what, that physically we're going to get healed. But we understand the right translation, which isn't that, which is that Jesus went to the cross and by his wounds, by what he did on the cross, that we are spiritually healed, that we have been saved and that we now can spend eternity with him in heaven. And so, I mean, just to wrap up the whole text, because I know you guys, I took you through a lot. Um, The reality is we're in a world that's not our own, that you and I are going to be living to values that the world doesn't understand. Because of that, we're going to be mistreated. But instead of conforming to the world, instead of hiding, instead of uh, sort of being afraid, we continue to do good. We continue to live out the gospel. We continue to show the world 
the beauty of Jesus through the way that we live and stand our ground. And as we do that, we're going to silence people that, that ridicule us and we're going to help save people and bring them into the kingdom of God. And we can do it when it's hard because we entrust ourselves to the one who judges justly. We entrust ourselves to the one who went and died for us on the cross, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Why don't I pray? Ben will come up and lead us in our last song. Let's pray together. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace. God, I just ask that uh, the words of my, uh, the words that I just spoke were not just words for words' sake, but Lord, that you would just help them land in our hearts. God, God, that we would just be an example to the world uh, of, of you. That we would show, Lord, the world a, a different way. Um, we show people your love and your grace. That, Lord, there'll be times when we are mistreated and we maybe respond uh, with love. And so, God, I just pray that you would just show us where it is that you want us to follow your example, uh, to live in your ways, uh, to trust you when things are tough. Uh, Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Hey, why don't you stand to your feet as we sing our last song?